Welcome to The Q Word, a podcast about the tips, trends, and taboos of emergency nursing, where we pull the hospital curtain back on issues that emergency nurses and their patients often think about but seldom talk about. You found The Q Word Podcast. Lisa. Hi, Nisa. We have our second interview of the Q-Word podcast. That is so exciting. Who are we interviewing today? He graduated from Auburn University, but we're going to continue the interview anyway, mm-hmm. in spite of that. Mm-hmm. He is the County Emergency Management Director for his county. He is also the County Emergency Services Director, which, if I'm reading this correctly, means he is over both fire and EMS. Yes. Okay. Um, he is a paramedic. He has a lot of letters on this resume here and a lot of instructor status and educator status. He is a certified high angle rescue, hazardous materials, trench rescue, confined space, wilderness search, and building collapse technician. Wow, that's a lot of creds. And that's just the ones that I thought were super cool. I also found on this resume that in conjunction with starting his career in fire, he was also in law enforcement. And so he's been a first responder in pretty much every division of it. And that really explains his love for Krispy Kreme donuts. I have a very, they're power rings first. Power rings. First. Listen, civilians call them donuts. I call them power rings. Okay. And I like to talk about the resume as like from Wayne's world where he says he has an assortment of name tags and hairnets. Yeah. That's a whole closet of mine. (laughs) Uh, But I have to ask you, have you ever had the Dunkin' Donut? I mean, that's what we eat up here. So Dunkin' V Crispy Go. Yeah. Crispy Donut. Dunkin' Coffee. Oh, Oh, wow. What a diva. (laughs) Well, listen, I'm a phone snob, I'm a hotel (laughs) snob, and I like my coffee a particular way. And when you dunk that Krispy Kreme donut into the Dunkin' Donuts coffee, that's what we call fusion cooking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not into hipster food. (laughs) (laughs) So you guys have just met my friend Matt Perry. Welcome, Matt. I love being here. Welcome, Matt. It's so nice to have you. I just want to know, do you ever say the Q word on shift? Are you superstitious? Not about this. Now, I'll get a little little snarky feeling every now and then, but it's never one of those things where I wake up and I'm like, okay, I hope it's a quiet day. It's none of that. Oh my gosh, you said it. I did it. I'm not scared. So clearly it's not verboten to you. No, not really. So what, what about all this high angle rescue, trench rescue? The state decided after September 11th that we needed to be able to handle when buildings fell in on top of everybody. Mm. And so we put together a team, and it's called GSAR, which is Georgia Search and Rescue. And I was I still call it my greatest professional accomplishment because it was six months of really hard work, everything, and you had to do multiple different disciplines. And the crazy thing about... The technical rescue side of what we do is it's high risk, high reward, but when things go wrong, it's catastrophic. So imagine hanging below a a water tower and something breaks, or you're in a trench 12 feet deep and the walls come in, or you're messing around in a hazmat environment and you're, you know, you mess up and poke a big hole in your suit. So it's, it's very, very high risk. And so being able to get through it all was quite an accomplishment. Our, our search and rescue teams were at Katrina. 
they were at the parking deck collapse in Atlanta. To this day, I, I value that that background. Can you tell me what the reward part of it is? You said it was a high risk, high reward. Yeah, you don't die. <laughs> it's a big reward. That's that a is humongous a reward. The biggest. No, it's you know, imagine like so. Just look at it from something globally. Um, earthquake. And all of a sudden that you're in this, you've tunneled your way into this collapsed building and you find three kids in a void space. It, it's that kind of stuff. It's, you know, you Which managed, just happened in Thailand. It just happened in Thailand. Those guys, that was high risk, high reward. And, and ultimately one of the divers passed. And when you pull something like that off, I mean, that's high reward. I mean, these guys you know, dangle from helicopters. It's, you know, it's, that's a big deal. But if you make it happen... The reward is, is high. Like, this is like reward for the soul. You, you can't even quantify it. I think the the average person can't, and our guys are like, all right, high five, let's go to the next one. It's a level of expectation for success 100% of the time. And so when you do it 100% of the time, you're like, all right, that was pretty cool. And next, now it's off to something else. And so it's a different it's a different group that does this, and it's it's really special. One of the things that I've noticed and actually mentioned it to Nisa yesterday was that when I talked to her about her day in the hospital or what went on in her flight shift, she's so very matter of fact about it. And I'm like, yeah, but did the person die or what happened or how old were they? And did they get hit by a car? Like I, I expect all these dramatic details and she's much more clinical about it. And you're doing the same thing right now where you're like, hey, I do it all the time. I get to save people's lives all the time. When it's up, when it's done, I've done it. High five, move on to the next case. That's really interesting. And here's the big reason why. I don't want showboaters. You know, you did a good job and I'm going to reward you probably pretty quietly. You know, it's going to be amongst us because I, the public sees it and they don't necessarily expect it, but they're like, that's just amazing. And I'm going, what's for lunch? <laughs> I love it. So you did... Law enforcement, you've done fire, currently doing fire, and also mm -hmm. um, pre-hospital yeah. medic. Talk me through how you ended up doing all three. It's just, this is it. This is all I've ever wanted to do, wow. ever. And I, I really worry if I ever get hurt, I'm in trouble because I have no other skills. <laughs> no other. <laughs> None. <laughs> do not ask me to fix your car. <laughs> I don't need to wire anything. <laughs> <laughs> Plumbing is something I love and don't ask me to fix it. But you know what? If your heart stops, I'm your guy. If you're trapped in a car, I'm your guy. And if it's on fire, well, I'm the one you call. So now you are on the hiring end and the training end of new medics. Yes. So what makes a good medic? You know, it's definitely not one thing. You got to have a bunch of things. And we're a unique group of healthcare providers. We're a little different. And so you've got to have somebody that's personable, that's easily approachable and that can go and talk to anybody anywhere because that is what you do. You spend your whole day talking to people you've probably never met before. And so being open and, and being you know very personable are, are really important qualities. Being intelligent, you know, just because you're book smart doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to be the person that needs to be holding the needle or the narcotics. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, be intelligent but also know when you don't know something. And that is a huge thing to where we call it a 10-20 rule, which is that 10-month paramedic who thinks he's a 20-year veteran. Mm -hmm. 10-20. You know? So I love medics that say, I have no idea. Mm. 
attention to detail. And I tell folks, you know, seatbelts are required. You got to put your patient in restraints. You got to put them, you got to make sure all the seatbelts are buckled and the shoulder straps are in place. And it's not just a, a safety thing or a policy thing. I mean, let's face it, you got a person laying flat and you slam on the brakes, they slide off the stretcher. If you can't put the seatbelts on your patient because you're not paying attention to it, what else have you missed? Mm-hmm. That's a good point. And that's the attention to detail that. I want medics to have. Those are all kinds of qualities you kind of have to roll up into into one. There is the continuum in emergency healthcare between the medic and then passing off to the nurse. Yes. And it's almost exclusively an ER nurse that you pass off to. Not always when you do a transfer. It can go to the IC or the floor. But the majority of the time it's going to be an ER nurse. So as someone who works closely with ER nurses, what do you think makes a good ER nurse? Most of what I just said for the paramedic. Remember, the environment's different. So I think that the nurses need to be better better listeners. They need to have, I said this, they need to be constantly, everybody needs to be constantly aware of their surroundings. But, but nurses really need to be not just paying attention to what I'm telling you, but what they're looking at. And so being able to be a critical thinker in the next step is important. Nurses, ER nurses stress and paramedic stress is different. It's just different. I don't know if I can explain it any better, but you know, you all aren't having to, to dodge cars, right? If you are, then your, your ER has got a bigger problem. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to tell you. You was that one day that the person drove the car through the wall. Well, okay. So there's one day, day. (laughs) Um, but it's, you know, you have to dodge animals. You're not usually stepping in. I mean, you step in goo occasionally, but, you know, you're not stepping in goo in the dark. Mm-hmm. And so the environment's different. And to me, those nurses that are top of their game have a lot of the same paramedic uh, same paramedic qualities. You know, they're, they're intelligent. Hopefully they're out to, to continue to learn. And most of the, the lately, the ER nurses especially that I've worked with, didn't start in an emergency room. So there's some diversity to their background, which is nice too. So so if you could, so you talked about the environment is different, mm-hmm. same patient, but a different environment caring mm-hmm. for the patient. And you talked about dodging animals and so forth. What do you wish nurses knew about the pre-hospital environment? Uh, you know, that's, that's a really good question. And, and, and I'm going to do this both ways. I think, cause I think it's a two way street in that paramedics don't fully understand the in-hospital environment and nurses definitely don't understand the out-of-hospital environment. So I think that they need to accept that, is that you don't know what goes. I mean, look, if I'm upside down in a car and I come in and my patient is muddy, deal, Mm -hmm. okay? The same thing is if I go to take a patient out of the hospital, out of the emergency room specifically, and I don't know, they've wet themselves. So quit trying to compare each other's backgrounds or environments because they're not the same. So if, if something is, you may not know what I encounter. You may, you may not realize that my patient just threatened to kill me. Okay. So maybe I didn't, maybe I didn't start an IV because they looked at me and said, I'm going to whoop your ass if you come at me with that needle. Mm-hmm. And so understand that sometimes the environment dictates the treatment. And I think that's the biggest thing. 
So this is what I notice in nursing and tell me if it translates to the medic nurse relationship. When I send a patient to the ICU or the floor, the OR, uh, wherever I send them, those care providers that then take over from me get to critique everything I did. And it doesn't ever work the opposite direction. I don't go yeah. then upstairs and see how they did in their 12-hour shift. They don't ever send me a patient down where I can critique the job that they did. But they get to critique me all the time. Correct. Is it the same way when medics bring patients to ER nurses? We get to critique the job that you did. Um, does it work the same way? Absolutely. And here's the problem with that. We end up having nurses paint medics with broad brushes. Mm -hmm. Guess what? So do ER nurses. Mm -hmm. You're the EMS of the hospital. <laughs> That's what I call And they are because what happens? It is it is meatball mash. If I stabilize them, send them up. If not, treat them and street them. I hate to tell nurses, I'm talking into the microphone to y'all. <laughs> if you work in an emergency room, you're kind of like a medic. <gasps> I'm just telling you, because the rest of the hospital says the same thing about you, that you all will talk about us, and probably we talk about y'all. The only consistent thing between a paramedic and a nurse is this. You ready? Yeah. Is that when they come out of nursing school and we come out of paramedic school, we all have one thing in common. We know just enough to not get in the way. And so the learning comes with immersing yourself in your craft. And unfortunately... Medics don't see what nurses do, and nurses don't see what medics do, and we only have a few things to really compare each other to, and so that becomes the litmus test, when in fact, it's pickles and onions. The, your, your background, it's pickles and onions, it's a southern thing. It's, it's, <laughs> I believe everyone else says apples and oranges. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But pickles but, and onions. Pickles okay. and onions. Works too, so we'll, <laughs> One is more that. delicious than the other comparison, but that's okay. Absolutely. And, you know, one's definitely going to make you cry, but it's got layers. <laughs> I was going somewhere, like, pointed with this. Yeah. I know. It was, I about, just, to get, it was about to get intense. Right, we, we don't get in the way. We, yeah, we don't get in the way, and you have to immerse yourself in your craft. And so your nursing background and your foundation of learning is, and correct me if I'm wrong, is I learn a, a little about a lot. And paramedicine is, we're going to learn a lot about a little. And the rest of it is just maintaining things. Um, so something I learned recently that, that kind of goes along with what you are describing, the differences. I went out PRing during EMS week. PRing? Explain. So public relations. So we're going out to show appreciation to the EMS providers. And I'm going with a medic that flies with us around his county where he works full-time as a ground medic. So we're going to each of the stations, dropping off water bottles and hand sanitizers and telling them thank you for a job well done. None of which I got, by the way. Oh, dear. Oops. It's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed as we're driving around the county, he is giving me the weirdest tour I've ever had. He's saying, see that water tower right there? I was the first on scene for the guy who fell to his death. Uh, see that pond right there? I fished a two-year-old out of that pond. Uh, do you see that yellow house? I responded to a rattlesnake bite there. And, you know, on and on as we went to around the county, he had horror stories for everywhere that he went. And I realized when you live in the same place you work like that, 
that's got to have a, a weird impact. So I can tell you stories about every room in the ER, but I clock out of there, walk away and go to my home and neighborhood where I don't experience those things. And you work in a, a small, tight community that you've lived in all your life. So you have the added layer of knowing a lot of the patients that you treat or their families. Or, or um, We all have those things that follow us. But I will tell you that for me, what follows me isn't so much the face of whatever I had to deal with. It's knowing did I do did I do it did I do something right or did I do something wrong or did I do it you know good enough or did I fall short or whatever. And so it's it's mostly just hey was our performance like it needed to have been and if it was high five what's next mm-hmm. and if it wasn't then we're going to do it better the next time because there's going to be a next mm-hmm. time. When I went out into the free hospital environment, I learned some things about ambulance etiquette. Mm-hmm. And did you? One of the things that I learned is that when you get in the back of the ambulance and there's a ground crew there, and the ground crew member yields the captain's chair yes. to you, um, steps out of the captain's chair and allows you to step into it, yeah. that that is a huge. Um, nod and it is a, a, sh- a show of trust. Yeah. So tell me about that. You know, that's our home. That's a, something that people need to realize is crews, especially good crews, take possession of what goes on inside that truck. And so it's their house. And for 12 hours or for 24 hours, they are responsible for it. They're responsible for how it's driven, how it looks, how they take care of it, what goes on inside of it. And so if I give you that spot, that's a big deal. It's kind of like asking if you can come aboard. Yes. I also learned that ground crews, particularly in your county, don't love it if you just throw all of your unused items. and. Okay, so that's not all of them. That's one of them. Just you? And who is that? Just you? Who has two thumbs and that bothers Oh. This guy. Okay, what is it? Back up. What's this all about? So when you put the leads on the patient and you take the little sticky things off the back and just toss it on the floor of the ambulance, uh. or if you give the patient medication and just discard your syringe on the floor and the captain's bench, uh. someone will stroke out. Okay, so this is not an obsessive compulsive disorder thing. So he says. This is not a cleanliness thing. Mm. And I'm not even going to say it's a professionalism thing. This is a control thing. And I don't mean control as in I've got this weird dominating personality. It's, no, quit nodding your head. <laughs> it's um, it's that I want a medic to be con- in control of everything. You, you are expected to calm the chaos. And it's so important, I'll tell you, it's so important to have that mindset that you are the calming factor in some, the worst day of someone's life. And for them, they've called 911, and 80% of the time, to them, it's an emergency. So you, they've called you to come handle this problem. And so I want you to be able to handle things so efficiently and calmly and in control that no matter what you do, your abilities are smooth. If you can't put trash in a trash can, you're out of control. And I will see ambulances that have been, I've done it, and I've done it, are completely destroyed after a particular event, there's just crap everywhere. There's trash everywhere. There's just spent and used things on the floor. And that is an out of control medic. That's not an out of, that's not an out of control patient. That patient is laying there nine times out of 10. They not moving, 
That is an out-of-control paramedic. Somebody who's maybe freaking out a little bit or uh, getting frantic. Yeah, that's completely unacceptable. Yeah. And so we, I, I push, and I really haven't started this, but in the last five or six years, it was, you know, let's see how big a mess we can make. And then I realized that you are not the calming force in this chaos, and it's your job to calm it. So if you can, if you can slow down, to the point that when you open up a syringe or you pop a top on a drug or you bust up and open a cabinet or whatever, everything hits the trash can. So if I can do that, then I can slow down everything else Mm -hmm. because we, and this is a podcast for a different day, but we train poorly with poor perceptions of time. Mm. And so we think we have to rush through everything when in fact we don't. And if you can slow yourself down and take a deep breath, and for me it was originally, I'm putting everything in the trash can. So it's an outward manifestation yeah. of your inward control. Got it. And like if you it. can do that, then you can come and work in my ambulance. Switching gears a little bit, your county that you um, cover and work in, uh, there's a major interstate running through it. Oh, yeah. If you could put a billboard on either side of the interstate – um, of your county, what would that billboard say? And it's it's professional, right? Whatever. No, yeah. no you have free no. reign. No censorship here. No. Yeah. I, it ain't be about being censored. I don't know. Prof, you know, I guess professionally, it would say on either end, "I've got three ambulances. Don't be the fourth hurt." <laughs> <laughs> that's good. You know, that's good I, advice. I would say that it's it really doesn't have to be you know down down deep. It's hey. Don't be number four. The numbers game. Exactly. You know, roll them <laughs> dice there, Skipper. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I would say it'd have to be something like that. Yeah. That's, you know, this is not the Autobahn. We have a lot of, a lot of uh, Delta V that goes on in our County, which is, which is uh, inertia and force. Mm. And so when you have an 80, an 80 mile an hour, you know, crash into a parked car on the side of the interstate, it's just, Wow. You know, there's trauma, there's trauma, and then there's our trauma. Right. I'm leaving the county out. Yes. yes. You know, there's there's trauma, and then there's our trauma. Mm-hmm. And anybody who's worked in a trauma bay or on a helicopter knows that interstate trauma is is wickedly different than getting shot. And so I got 30 miles of it, and I promise you, we know how to cut a car apart. Mm-hmm. Wow. I asked some of your medics that currently work for you about you. So this is what they told me. Jesse says that you taught him to leave it better than you found it. So when you teach someone leave it better than you found it, are you talking about the ambulance, the patient, the profession? What are you What are you referring to? What's he referring to? Probably a little all of it. I'm big on advancing the profession. We even have it in our mission statement. You know, you're going to advance the profession. That's I can't tell you how important that is for me, and I think that's lacking in our business, and we lose sight of the fact that we chose to do this. And so you need to come to work every day, every day with the mindset of what am I going to do for this business I chose to get into. And so if you can't do that, then get out. Well, and that was literally the second thing he told me was elevate the profession. That was something that you know, he told ele- me. elevate the profession and. And I, I talked to a group of firefighters one time as they were starting fire school, and I said, you know, that doesn't mean you have to go out and be the stud on the fire ground. That means you're the guy that doesn't have to be told to put the dishes up. Mm-hmm. 
you know, you don't have to be told twice to take the trash out. Mm-hmm. And sure, that sounds simplistic, but it makes your business better. And leaving things better than you found it is is not just a day-to-day thing. It's when you finally retire. Mm-hmm. And when you get out of this business, then you've left a little mark on it. And it's better. It's better for the next guy or girl. He also said you taught him to be indispensable. That was when I took over. That was our motto. It's just time to be indispensable. Wow. So tell me how to justify yourself to the to the powers that give out tax money. If I'm only used this amount of time, how do I justify my existence? So you have to do things that make you indispensable to the public. So AJ said something that you, you've kind of already addressed and alluded to as well. Um, he said, don't panic. Don't no. get in a rush. Mm-hmm. Uh, be methodical and do it right. Yeah. Don't don't miss things that you shouldn't miss. Um, it goes back to the, kind of the trash can discussion. Yeah. I, I tell folks we're going to save EMS through seatbelts and trash cans. And the trash can is what we talked about earlier. It's it's being the calming force in whatever that you do and slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Mm-hmm. That was told to me as well. And and the seatbelts is about attention to detail. So what Christopher said was when he has run calls with you, whether you're in your current role or previously when you guys were riding together um, on the truck, that you never appear to be overwhelmed. Mm-mm. He said that uh, you have perfected the poker face. How do you do that? That takes time. You know, we talked about those qualities that you look for in a paramedic, and one of them is the ability to control the room without saying a word. That I cannot tell you how important that is, and that's you. You kind of have the ability to do that. You should in, have that innate ability to do it, but that's something that has to be nurtured and worked on. Nurses do it too. Don't think for one minute they don't have this ability, because they can walk into a room and just carry themselves in a way that families will stop talking. So, is there a direct correlation between figuring out how to master that poker face and actually mastering that inner calm? You have to consciously try to do it. So do you ever get overwhelmed? Mm. But just All don't the time. Show it? Duck on a pond, man. Uh, <clears throat> can you tell us the story of the mitten? Yeah. Um, the mitten was was a lady in labor. <laughs> You're going to do a few things in our business, and eventually it kind of gets the people. Again, the average person doesn't understand it. And so we, the childbirth in the field is something that, that happens. I'd had two prior, and both of them were I just stumbled in at the last second and just caught a kid. And this one was different because you knew, like, like we're fixing, this kid's fixing to show up in an ambulance. The problem was this woman didn't speak any English. She spoke Vietnamese. And apparently in Vietnamese, me saying in English – don't push means push. push. I've learned this. Uh-uh. And so we finally get her out of the house and we're slipping and sliding and God knows what and put her on the stretcher. And my partner, who is always as calm and cool as a cucumber, we we look and there is this mysterious object bulging out of her underwear. And my partner goes, hmm, a foot. Uh-oh. And so we finally get her to the ambulance and we have a new nurse with us whose eyes are the size of dinner plates and i remember looking around as this leg 
is now popped out past the knee, and then I look under it, and there's a cord. So now I've got breached, I've got prolapsed cord, and I've got a foot presenting. And as I turn around, the door is shut. Chunk, chunk. <laughs> and the paramedic says, you got this. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm driving. And I said, well, make it smooth and put a rocket up our ass. <laughs> I end up, you have to get the head off the cord. And so I insert my entire hand into her vagina and lift up to get pressure off the cord and try to finagle my way off to get the to get the um, to get the cord around the neck, which it was. And somehow I have my whole hand up in the old amdao, which is Vietnamese for vagina. <laughs> um, later Googled it. I didn't do it while I was there. And while in heading to the hospital, I, I remember calling the patient report in because I had to kind of reach and the nurse is a stud she was a she was a stud and she i looked at her and i said lines and she is somehow i'm hand deep in hoo-ha and she's working under me and getting ivs and we're, we're flying down the interstate or flying down the highway and i called the patient report in and asked to speak to a physician which we don't really do anymore so if you hear a medic calling in to talk to a doctor something's up and i remember telling them i'm coming in with uh you know, uh, she's in labor, you know, we're, we've, we're delivering, blah, 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 but there's a foot and cord presenting, and I took my hand off, and they keyed back up on the radio from the hospital, and all I heard was the physician say, oh, good God. <laughs> and I'm like, you ain't got no idea, lady. Listen, you can't even say that. And so we make it to the hospital. By this time, both feet have now come out, and I'm going, well, this is just going south. This kid's going to die. And, um, the doors fling open. Now, in our business, there's certain really cool moments, right? And it's it's almost like television. Here's your Grey's Anatomy moment. Like now, the theme music is about to start, and no joke, it's that's the Stork Squad. All right, so here they are, and they open up the doors, and I'm got blood everywhere. And the doctor looks at me and she goes, "I just can't work in this." And I'm like, I work in this every day. She goes, you're going to have to move your hand. And I'm like, uh-uh, not moving my hand. Mm-hmm. And so we managed to somehow get the the stretcher out with me physically attached. And up the ramp we go. And I remember turning my hand just a little bit. And damn if this kid doesn't come out. Just here's a, and some, and I didn't see it. Because there's, there's a knee in my jaw. And, she's, and somebody goes, oh my God. Here's little kid, you know, crying and whatever. And so mom's mom's bleeding and the stork folks are there. And anyway, so we go up to upstairs and I get this slap on the back from the OB resident. And she looks at me and she goes, that's your first? I said, no, ma'am, that's, that's my third. I said, this is the first like that? She goes, well, don't worry. It don't get any harder than that. <laughs> I'm like, huh? <laughs> I'm going to need the color to come back to my face. <laughs> and so the mitten... Is somebody said, well, what did it feel like? What was it like? And I was like, well, it's like a mitten. He said, a mitten? I said, oh, the vagina ain't got a bunch of finger holes in it, so it's a mitten. <laughs> it ain't a glove. It ain't a glove. It's a mitten. <clears throat> there were several instances that I can remember, and probably more that I don't, when I was the educator in the emergency room, and you would be bringing a patient in, and you would give me a phone call in my office and say, I need everyone to go to the radio immediately. <laughs> and one that I remember was... Uh, 23-year-old coming in, chief complaint, chapped lips. Yes. 
Tell me about chap lips. Chap lips. So, you know, look, for me, this is about uh, building a relationship with the nurse. And so this is it. You, you and I are a great example of relationship building mm-hmm. because I can call you on the phone and say, I'm bringing you some crap, mm-hmm. but you got to come listen to this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so did you know that sometimes when you guys call in certain reports like um, fractured penis, for example, yes. or hand in the mm-hmm. vagina that we will say, I'm sorry, you were broken up. Can you repeat yeah, that? Absolutely. Just to make you say it again. I know that that's going to be repeated again. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about relationships because sometimes I'm going to call you on the phone for another reason. And it's not going to be a, I'm not being funny. Now it's fixed. We're fixing to get down and dirty and I'm getting ready to have a conversation with you and you're going to listen. I've been on the receiving end of that phone call. Will you talk about the night that you called in the three patient gunshot wound situation? So it was a suicide attempt by, by handgun. And as we're going to the scene, one of our the two several of our firefighters actually witnessed a gunfight and i remember them coming back saying essentially everybody's been shot and i called and i said we don't know what's going on yet but i'm bringing you three of them yeah and two of them are officers and two of them are police officers i have seen this happen countless times where a crew has every single thing in order and everybody knows them and this is what they expect from them. And these guys and girls are on it. And that was that night where everybody was on their A-game because they had enough heads up. Mm-hmm. And so on my end, what I can tell you is to run a trauma code, it takes at least three nurses. And so if I have three trauma codes coming in, that means I've got to produce nine nurses now yeah. and keep the rest of the department alive. Yeah. And so it happened to be right around 6.30 p.m. So I had night shifters coming in. And so I was able to come overhead on the paging system and say, if you are hearing this and you are night shift, please go ahead and clock in and meet me in the trauma bay as well so that we could uh, pull together those resources to be ready when uh, when you guys came rolling in the door with those fellows. And I can't stress this enough, and, and, and this can be the theme. You're not on the same team, but you're working towards the same goal. And if you can get past the territorial part of all this, because there's some, and there always will be some, but I want medics to operate to be the best paramedic on the planet. I don't want them to be the best nurse on the planet. I want them to be the best paramedic around. You let them go be the best nurse on the planet, but you chose to do this, and it is a hell of a job. Do you want to do a medic mic drop? Well done. Well, Matt, we'd love to thank you for coming out and giving us such a wonderful interview this evening. And to all our listeners out there, if you like what you've heard, we hope to hear from you. Find us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Keyword Podcast. And you can email us all your questions and comments, keywordpodcast.com. It also helps us a lot if you subscribe to us on iTunes or on Spotify. Please do so so you never miss an episode. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Does she have to roll? Is she going to add sound in later? Is this one of those things where she has to play it? Yeah, the, you... you found the Q-word podcast. <laughs> yeah. That's later. No, I add that in, in post-production. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it really doesn't normally go like this. Well, no, it really does. I was getting ready to say. It's, it's normally just the two of us, so we don't care.
Okay, for God's yeah. sakes, let's get started. Nisa, you're the one who okay. has to start it. You're the one who has the, the creds, so. Okay, here we go. Do it. Okay. <laughs> 